0: Hello and welcome to and fake action, the movie podcast with Phil and Dustin. I'm
1: Dustin, and I'm Phil. Hey Phil, how's hey, it going? Hey Dustin, it's going great. And how are you today?
0: I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Pretty busy day today, but uh, but all in all, uh, I feel like I, I'm ready to have a conversation about about some movies.
1: Oh, good, good. Me too. Ready as I'll ever be, I suppose.
0: Fantastic. I want to mention, uh, just because it amuses me, um, the people at home or wherever they're at when they're listening to these podcasts may not realize it. But these podcasts, um, you, you might be hearing them like, you know, one this week, one in two weeks, one in two weeks after that. But they haven't been recorded that way. In fact, our first one was recorded about a year and a half ago.
1: Holy moly.
0: Yeah. And 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 the the last one that we recorded, the one right before this one, was almost one year ago. Excellent. Yes, fantastic. <laughs> we are we are very much taking this seriously. <laughs>
1: we are taking <laughs> this seriously, I think. We're just, we don't feel like we're in a hurry. Right, clearly. Well, we haven't, but, but I right. think we're starting to feel like we should hurry. We probably should. We've got a few of these in the so, can. Yeah. Um, so and- if you're listening to this, this means we've successfully published podcast episodes and you've been listening to this, yes. which is what as we speak to each other now we're still working on trying to figure out uh how to do we know how to yeah. do it but we just got to kind of do it well <laughs> and
0: any any rhythm we we possibly uh settled on last year is pretty much out the window now. So, so we're kind of resetting so hopefully this is going to go all right I do want to mention that we just we just had Halloween. I don't know what time of the year that you're listening to this, but we just had Halloween. So it seems somewhat appropriate that we talk about maybe a horror movie. And I think Phil originally had the idea of of watching the movie that we're going to be talking about, at least the main movie. We're going to talk about a few others, but at least the main one, I think, uh, uh, popped up. There was some interest in checking that out over the summer. And uh, eventually we all got around to watching it. And uh, we're going to chit chat about that one today. Phil, you want to tell us about the movie?
1: I sure do. The movie's called Reanimator. Woo! It's from 1985, and it's directed by Stuart Gordon, and it's a um, it's a horror comedy. Uh, and we can talk more about how that comedy works as as we go. It's a movie that I saw I, I don't know a few years ago, two, three, maybe four years ago. And it really sort of took me aback and I really enjoyed it. A mutual friend of ours wanted to check it out. So we all got together and we watched it. Yeah,
0: it was it's one of those that it's I know I remembered seeing the uh, the VHS cover whenever we'd go to the video store back in the days of youth, I would always see that cover. And I was not a stranger to horror movies, especially high campy horror movies of the 80s and things like that. But I wasn't. When, when, you, when it was was brought back up to me, I'm like, did I see Reanimator? It's like, I, I remember seeing the, the box art, but I'm like, did I see the movie? And then when we actually started watching it, it really started to feel more familiar. But I'm not sure if I had ever seen the whole thing or if I'd just seen parts of it. It's
1: a weird. It is weird. <laughs> and that's part of its appeal and charm, I think. Yes. So let, you mentioned that you had some experience with 80s horror yeah, that that type. Now, just to give the audience some background, if you don't know us, we were kids in the nineteen eighties. We probably spent the eighties from the age age of about uh, six to sixteen. Was was the nineteen eighties for that, us? That, right? that math checks out. So we had that experience with the VHS and video stores and and cable and all of these some of these movies getting played over and over again late at night. Obviously, eighties was a huge a boom in an explosion of horror movies, you know, at mm-hmm. that time. Uh, all the kids at school school were talking about them. So what, what, what did you watch a lot of those movies uh, is what I'm getting at, at the time?
0: I did, to an extent, probably in the uh, the second half of the 80s decade. Movies like, you know, the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, the Friday the 13th movies, you know, those sort of slasher horror movies. I saw those um, a lot. I was really interested in uh, makeup effects, I, I was always whenever I saw a movie that had any kind of makeup effects. Uh, I'd seen documentaries about Tom Savini. We'd rent the video about Tom Savini and the the makeup that he did for like the uh, the George M- Romero Night of the Living Dead Yes, those ones. I, I was always fascinated by that. The Michael Jackson Thriller video. Oh, that's was, right. That was a huge touchstone.
1: Yeah, that was for all of our I, childhoods at that time.
0: I loved. I loved not just the video. But the making of video, I actually liked even more because you see how the, the effects were done. And so I was always fascinated by that. So I wasn't afraid, like in horror movies. The only kind of quote unquote horror movies that would ever give me the heebie-jeebies really were Ones that were like dealt with like demonic possession and, and things like that. Those were the ones that because it's like you couldn't really see what it was. It, it, horror makeup, horror effects, blood, guts. That, that, that didn't really bother me. That didn't give me any sort of nightmares as a kid. It was just it was that sort of more ethereal, supernatural stuff that would creep me out. How, how about you? What was your experience?
1: When I was a kid, I actually didn't probably watch as much of all those horror films at the time, like when all the kids on the playground were talking about Jason and Freddy and Friday the 13th and stuff like that. I never, I didn't actually watch a lot of those movies at the time very much. It wasn't until maybe a little later, even in maybe in my high school years. And this one I don't think I remember at the time, really, uh, when it came around. I just sort of heard about it over the years. Um, and I decided to check it out a couple of years ago. So what's this one about a little bit? So this one, let's talk a little, Let's kind of get into it a little bit, I guess. Um, so Reanimator came out in 1985. Now, we should, I guess we should mention it is uh, based on H.P. Lovecraft short story or short stories. Short stories. In my yes. reading, I've seen yes. them described variously as a short story called Her- Herbert West Reanimator or a series of six sort of interrelated yeah. short stories, series of stories that kind of follow.
0: My understanding is that, yeah, they were basically different, different stories that they then decided they were going to put together to make the one story when they decided, because as as we learned watching the the documentary, it morphed from one thing to something else. Mm. And in that process, it became from, it went from doing like the one to
1: doing all of them so they could do like a full movie. Yes. They talked about how they originally were thinking about doing like a six part miniseries for TV. Yeah. Um, and then and then I morphed into just doing the feature, which I think is for the best.
0: I think so. And it's, even at that, even squeezing all six episodes, it's a yeah, it's a pretty slim running time. Yes, it's it's yes. it's def- definitely an economical film.
1: <laughs> no, I no sense. I will say I st- went to the library, got a book of Lovecraft stories, and started to read these short stories. Did you now, With Herbert West, Reanimator. animator, and I. Got not all the way through, <laughs> through them. Uh, not not they're not they're not bad. Uh, I think I got through two and started the third one and just ran out of time. And now here we are recording. Uh, they were good. They're different. I didn't really. It didn't really. I didn't really. Get, was they not able to get far enough to get into the real? You know, they say oh, there's gore in there and there's it gets intense and everything. I didn't really get far enough to see all that. So I just sort of got the, some of the intro. Other than that, I don't have a lot of experience with H.B. Lovecraft at all in terms of reading his work. You know, I'm just kind of aware of, of who he is and the sort of history of horror and cult literature. But How would you describe the tone of this film? It starts out kind of crazy with this bloody scene of this guy's ex- head to explode. It. So we're in for like a, we know kind of in for like a gore fest.
0: Yeah, they pretty much and set that up right away.
1: And then we establish some of our characters. We meet Dan Cain, we meet his girlfriend, we meet Herbert West, and he seems kind of crazy, seems kind of off. Mm-hmm. Jeffrey Combs' performance is interesting and, mm-hmm. and, and, and spot on. And uh, it's horror comedy. At what point does it start getting funny?
0: Um, well, I'll say when they reanimate the cat, that scene is just straight goofy. You can't take that scene seriously. The way the right. guy's running around with the cat on his back and beating at it and all that, you can't take that scene seriously. So they had to know, OK, we're making a comedy at this point. But until then, it, it was hard for me to tell for sure where it was going, you know, if that's what they meant. Then clearly other other things uh, happened in the story that make it pretty clear that, OK, they, they're being kind of goofy. But clearly the directive was, play this super straight, like almost too straight. Don't ever yeah. wink. Don't ever wink. No, no. At the camera. They, they did not wink. They kept their eyes open, like uncomfortably open. You know what I mean? Sometimes that works better than other times. I don't know that it was always successful. But I wonder if they had played it more straight for laughs, like where it was more obvious and they were winking, would it have been... Would it have the same character and charm that you mentioned earlier? And I don't know that it would. So no, I think I don't, I I, don't think so. I think that they probably made the right decision. I just don't know that they made it consciously. I sort of feel like it was sort of just
1: happening organically. And then this is what they ended up with. I think to a certain extent, that's I, I would like to say they fully intended it to be exactly what the way it turned out to be. But of course, I, a, I don't know that mm. <laughs> I was hoping to discover some of that in my in my some of my reading. I don't remember, I don't think I came across that. But I think as it organically developed through shooting, I think they became aware yeah. of, of, of how it was going and leaned into it. Now they talked about how there's, they can't go too far.
0: And I think that was definitely a, a good idea because otherwise this movie would have just sort of, sort of, I don't think it would have found an audience. I think this, right. this, the way that it ended up is the way it needed to be in order to be as
1: quote unquote successful as it was. I mean, you want to talk about a moment where that was funny and when the audience knows it's funny and when you had to know the filmmaker I mean, we get to that moment where Dr. Hill uh, wants to steal the the formula from Herbert West and, and take it for himself and, and, and get fame and notoriety. Uh, and Herbert West needs to prevent that from happening. So, of course, Herbert West hits him over the head with a shovel and beats him and he falls down. He ends up like cutting his head off with the shovel, but oh, 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 he's a dead body. So he injects him right away with his serum to mm-hmm. bring his body back to life. So this mm-hmm. disembodied head comes back to life. And he injects the body. And he injects the body so the body can move around. Mm-hmm. That right there to me is funny. The the body <laughs> yeah. being, carrying around <laughs> its own head and walking around.
0: Well, it's walking around. They, I think it they, bumps into a wall at, it one at one point. At one point
1: when he's bumbling around. But in the very beginning, there when when Herbert West is just sort of beginning this process, and he picks up the head, and the head keeps—he has to put it in a pan, mm. and it's falling <laughs> over and falling over. Mm-hmm. So in order to keep it upright, he's got to find the the, 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 the little memo the letter spike. memo spike, right? Yeah. And stick the head on it so it stays upright. I mean, that's funny. <laughs> it, it is.
0: No, it is. They they definitely they they're definitely playing it for laughs. I, I like I said. I think that you know once they really started kind of getting into it, they started to realize. Okay, I think. This is where, where we're going to go. And this is, but I,
1: I don't know that that's just where it was when they planned it. Maybe not. I think what makes the film successful is okay, so imagine if we had this gore fest, but it wasn't funny. Then you would be left with, and some people like that sort of thing, but you'd be left with the gore fest. It'd yeah. It'd be serious and it'd be squeamish and mm-hmm. it'd be intense and, and and maybe it could be good. Maybe that can work sometimes.
0: Yeah, but after it a while, wouldn't it, just, find, yeah.
1: it wouldn't have found the audience.
0: It doesn't. It had,
1: because it, it because it was goofy and because you could laugh at, at certain parts of it. Uh, at one point in the climax, you know, one of the, uh, the zombie people, I think, gets his head cut off and, and it gets tossed against the wall and it splatters on the wall. Mm-hmm. You can kind of laugh at that. If you didn't have that laughter in the film, you wouldn't really be able to take the gore. I, the gore I think- is much more palatable with that laughter. I think, that's, anyway. I
0: think that's true in the case of a, a lot of horror movies. I think a lot of the more successful horror movies, at least I'm going to say the slasher genre of horror movie or the really gory one, they, they do play a lot of it for laughs uh, just as that tension release. Because if you don't have that tension release, then, yeah, you're like, well, I, I can't enjoy this. Can I really enjoy this? And if I do enjoy this, what does that say about me? Right. You know. The reanimator I never thought was scary and did just scare me. So even if yeah. it wasn't funny, I would just have found it kind of like a, maybe kind of a boring, gory movie. It wouldn't have done a lot because it didn't really scare me. There weren't like real jump scares or anything, yeah. at least nothing that stood out to me. But with that comedy, with that high level, with, with Jeffrey Combs performance, which I think, you know, maybe it painted him in kind of a corner, uh, the way that he played that role. But I'm sure it's a, it's a role that has you know paid his bills well for a long time but with that performance it um uh, that the, 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 the cat scene was was okay. very funny the scene where he kills Hill and he sticks the head down very funny um there are um there's there's a <laughs> there's a scene where Hill's head is waiting for his body and he actually his body's like walking into stuff and Hill like yeah. rolls his eyes like oh my god yeah, And, of course, he can't really talk that well, so he's, like, gurgling because mm-hmm. he doesn't have lungs, which makes it weird to me that he can even make the sound. But well, yeah, let's not get hung up on the physics of reanimating bit, bit, bit. severed
1: heads. Right. There's a whole set of questions about how, how is the head able to function and how is the body able to move around and
0: stuff. Yes. <laughs> which, which hey. I, you know what? They they mention in the—I don't know if I'm jumping ahead too much, but they mention in the— um. In the documentary, that there was a little side plot that was removed from the movie oh, that yeah. they cut yeah. out, yeah. which established that Doctor Hill had some sort of ability of mind control,
1: of hypnotism, of, of
0: basically, yeah. you know, of basically getting into someone's head and having them do his bidding, and that was to explain how he could control not only his own severed body but the other zombies that were created yeah. around him and then they took that out and i guess they
1: decided it wasn't really necessary and in the grand scheme of things yeah you got yeah they it's a silly i guess they didn't need movie, to explain so but you got the sense that he was kind of doing it anyway you got that sense when he was right communicating to the dean who, who was reanimated in, in a straitjacket in the in the padded room he was communicating to him somehow well
0: they clearly knew i mean they established okay this is what he's doing but they they originally tried to set it up that he was predisposed to be able Mm -hmm. to do that him specifically that's why the other zombies aren't controlling each other it's only him that's controlling the other zombies it's only him that's controlling um the dean not the other way around
1: oh remind me was the subplot such that that dr hill had that power of hypnotism like before he died? Yes. Okay.
0: Yes. I get it. He had that he had the ability of of and I think there was a scene where he was actually trying to hypnotize I don't know if he was hypnotizing um the dean's daughter mm-hmm. or the, somebody but it was basically to establish that yes, he had that ability as a living breathing human being. And so that when he was then reanimated, he retained that and was able to control the other reanimated beings. Got it. But they cut that part out, and so he's just able to do it for whatever reason. But it doesn't really matter. I don't think you spend a yeah. lot of time thinking about
1: it. <laughs> I was reading, I was. I think it was in um, an interview I read somewhere, or maybe it was one of the commentaries, where they cut that out. The idea behind cutting that out was because somebody felt, somebody's advice was, well, you can't have two of these huge fantastic things happening in, in one movie. That would be... Stretch, You'd lose credibility or something. Mm. You could just have the one. Dead body's can back to life.
0: Because I would lose credibility.
1: I don't know how much I buy that advice.
0: I don't buy that Cause like <laughs> at all. Because <laughs> you have him doing it both anyway. Yeah, he's doing it anyway. Yeah. So, I don't know. Whatever. Like I said, I don't know that it, that it hurts the movie. I mean... No. It kept it from being more than 90 minutes to being less than 90 minutes. So, I guess there you go.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> Before we get away from the topic of... A mixture of comedy and horror. Stuart Gordon said something at one point in his commentary track on the Blu-ray. He said something to the effect of, you can't be funny and scary at the same time. Laughter is the antidote for fear. You can build attention and you can relieve it with laughter and then build attention up again. But if you do both at the same time, they cancel each other out. I agree with that. And I think that could mostly probably be true. And I think we may have seen... In our in our lifetimes, I'm sure we've seen some movies that try to be both at the same time, and they don't work. You may have even seen yeah. a movie recently that might <laughs> have some of that going on. In it. I'm not, but we can talk about that later. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I
0: don't think you I I agree with that 100 percent because you can't be afraid when you're laughing. It's no, I don't think it's physically possible. I mean, unless you're just losing your mind, something has scared you so much that you're. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. Or whatever. But I think to genuinely find something funny, you can't be physically experiencing fear. So, yeah, I, I think that makes perfect sense. And I think that's the good filmmakers do horror is to amp that up, ratchet that up and then give people that little release every now and then. You know, you got to give them a release in some way. That makes it enjoyable, makes it fun. I think having something when you're having a a film that's just going to be full intensity every now and then you have to just let people have that little valve release, you know, just, you know, like like Mm -hmm. a semi. You got to you got to be able to pull that 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 chain and just let that out. Otherwise, you're going to be too tense and you're going to be miserable, you know, and some people like that. There are some people that like that. I am not that person. I don't want to be
1: so tense that at the end of the movie, I feel bad. I don't want to feel bad. I was thinking about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original, which is one of my favorite horror movies. And I, I was initially thinking, like, oh, there's an example of, well, that's not a horror comedy. That's really intense and serious and really frightening, you know, pretty much throughout. But as we were sitting here talking, I was just thinking about it. No, there's a lot of funny stuff in that movie, <laughs> and they put funny stuff in there for a reason. You know, and then
0: there's, <laughs> I have not you know. seen the Texas Chainsaw Massacre any of the versions. Oh.
1: That's that's that for some reason that's one that's gotten away from me. It's got a really weird. The first time I saw it, I was just blown away by this really strange comedic aspect to the to this the, the murderous family that's in, in the movie and their relationship with each other. And I was like, oh, it's as if it's just weird mixing it with the horror you know? in a good way. Anyway, yeah. that's another conversation. <laughs> yeah, right, 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 right. So we've talked about the mixture of humor and horror. We can't really talk about horror, especially 80s horror. We're not talking about sex and horror. So this movie yeah. has a notorious scene. Yes, it does. I'm assuming it's notorious. I I, mean. I,
0: I think it was... <laughs> The first of its kind. I'll put it that way. I don't know. I don't know that it's been replicated since. It might since. be the
1: only of its kind. I that, was going to say. I, I don't my, think it my has. My viewing repertoire. Who knows what I haven't seen that's out there. That's
0: true. <laughs> there's a lot. There's a lot more out there today uh, oh, yeah, than there was in today. 1985. But I'm sure that was definitely very shocking in 1985.
1: Phil, would you like to describe the scene for the for the folks at home? Well, sure. Well, you have. Well, if we haven't talked much about Barbara Crampton and her character in the film, so she's. Uh, the girlfriend I thought uh, she was really good in it actually. absolutely I thought she was probably the most
0: realistic performance in it at least in terms of her the characters and maybe it was the way it was written in, in terms of her reactions to things and to people
1: yeah
0: Uh, in the situations I thought she was a little more you know I don't know if I, I don't know that she was the character that we're supposed to be Seeing it through, and maybe that's the case. In which case, I'm I sort of feel better that I'm like, okay, well, I would I might react similarly, um, but yeah, I thought at the end of the day, her her performance was was pretty grounding in this kind of goofy movie. She wasn't quite as amped up as everybody else was.
1: Yeah, as long yeah, I I think Stuart Gordon in his commentary was talking about how she was um the most sympathetic character or the sympathetic or in some article I read she was a you know and I got I was thinking about that. and I thought, well, what about Dan Kane? What about this? He almost serves as an audience surrogate in a way. He's like the buddy of the crazy mad scientist, who at first is like, "You're crazy. What are you doing? We can't, you know, we can't do that." You know, so in a certain sense, we kind of. I mean, he's the guy we were introduced to. He pulls well, the into the movie at the very beginning. You know, I like. think
0: at the beginning that yeah, we are. He's the one that we're supposed to be. He's our surrogate mm-hmm. in the beginning. I just think through performance. Yeah. Um, for me anyway, it more became um Barbara Crampton's character. And I think it's just because of how easily Dan gets kind of swept up into it. I it's like he he doesn't doesn't protest as much as I I think Oh that, yeah, he ends up playing along.
1: Yeah, sure. pretty quickly, yeah. I think. <laughs> yeah, so there is I did notice uh, the with uh, as I was kind of like I say I had put the disc in to watch some of the commentary the other night and I was reminded there is a scene when dr hill is still alive where he's kind of putting the moves on on barbara mm-hmm. crampton's character so that kind of sets us up what yeah. happens later yeah so after he's that, a creeper after dr hill uh, has been decapitated and he's sort of moving around he ends up uh, i forget how it happens but he ends up capturing uh barbara crampton's character and she ends up kind of alone in the room with him in the morgue you know yeah tied down yeah Mm-hmm. In the nude. Naked. Dr. Hill attempts to uh, have his way. Very naked, too. Absolutely.
0: As, so, as Sir Patrick Stewart said in an episode of Extras, I see everything.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so we have Dr. Hill's body holding uh, his, dis- his decapitated head, and he's, he's trying to have his way with this uh, nude-prone female mm-hmm. who's tied down. Who And it's kind of funny, the last time I was watching it, he, she's kind of like trying to push his head away. And like so, so he's you know kissing her and licking her and everything, and she's trying to push his but it almost looks like she's not trying very hard to push his head away. Like she's not using a lot of force to really try well, to push. Well, she is bound. Her arms, right, just because her, her one arm bound. is tied. Yeah. It just had kind of a comical yeah. end, like, look to it. So going with the ethics, the ethos or whatever, the, the idea of you can't go too far... His head moves further and down, down her body, Mm -hmm. below the waist. And then we kind of, you know, he's trying to like perform oral sex on this person. Yeah. And we're kind of like.
0: His body is holding his head. I don't know about you, but I'm kind of like. Putting it between.
1: We kind of get the. As me as an audience member, I'm kind of getting the. Are you going? Are we going too far now? Almost. Yeah. Well, I found it. And then Herbert West walks in and breaks the tension. Yeah. Yeah, before
0: any actual.
1: I yeah it,
0: I found I'm like um, it, it's one of those scenes that I, I think as you watch it with a group, everybody's sort of going no, oh right. no 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 it's like I can take so much there's a lot of all the gore that has happened up to this point fine, no <laughs> problem I, I get, lay it on me, but then that it's like yee new no, okay just
1: getting to the edge of the envelope pushing there
0: yeah. But uh, but then you know they don't go all the way with it. So uh, and but, but you're right. I mean they they, they somebody had that idea. Somebody's like, well, he's got a severed head. He's into her.
1: Why wouldn't he? Let's shoot it. I read that there was an, another actress originally slated for that role who dropped out of the film. I think I think because of that mm. that scene was in it. And, uh, but then I, he also mentioned the, the director in his commentary that one of the crew members came up to him and said you can't go too far do this and Stuart gordon's like oh now i know i'm doing the right thing i'm gonna do this. <laughs> a female crew member well and that, that makes a difference too to yeah. advice him this is good yeah. and then what's brilliant about that again breaking that tension when Her- herbert west walks in and jeffrey combs performance he doesn't walk in, and he's established his character as being like this, so it's not really surprised. But you still you kind of expect maybe him to be a little like, whoa, oh, my gosh, stop. But he walks in so, like, calm and dead. Yeah. And like, Dr. Hill, you know. <laughs> You'll never get credit for my—tristing dis- with a college co-ed. You'll never get credit for my discovery. Who's going to believe a talking head? Get a job in a sideshow. <sighs> <laughs> I can't do justice to his line reading. I, I
0: love that I, when he said that. It's just
1: a wonderful... <laughs> I'm just going to believe the talking head.
0: To, he's just so matter-of-fact about it. Yeah. No, you're, you're right. I think I'll his... that tension. He's superior to everybody. So it's like, it doesn't matter. Any he, he can't see anything that's too shocking because he's above it all.
1: What did you think of the music in the movie? Music in horror movies is very important. It, it is. It is in any movie, but in horror movies especially... Music can be very like, def- um, de- defining. Really, mm-hmm. like kind of define the atmosphere and, and the just, your memory of the of the movie when you think of think about John Carpenter's
0: Halloween, Halloween theme. Yeah. It's just iconic, you know. Uh, I don't know that there's and then you've got the music that backs up Jason Voorhees. Mm-hmm. There's yeah, there's just a sort of um, it, it brings with it uh, a certain weight, a certain heft. With this movie, I. The music didn't do a lot for me. It was it was clear pretty much right off the bat that they were leaning heavily on Bernard Herman, uh,
1: that sort of kind of psycho vibe, and it's so reminiscent of the Psycho score that it's almost I mean it's almost I, I think they even got the sued. I'm not sure. Maybe.
0: Yeah, I think there was like a lawsuit involved. It's not. It's different enough. It's so. It's definitely a pastiche of of that, Uh, but I mean, personally, I I, music didn't make or break the movie for me. It was noticeable; it it stood out, but I don't know if it stood out necessarily in a good way. I'll
1: say that it did not stand out in a bad way. Okay, I liked it. It was not bad. Did not because I've and bad would be almost like, and I'll mention an example later. Of just, like, a regular movie score. Okay. If it had just, like, a regular sort of traditional, like, mainstream movie, movie score, I don't know how I would describe it, you know. But this was, at least it was different. It was. It was just the strings and that cycle-like quality to it. It wasn't overbearing at any point. In the in, the, in fact, I don't think there was really too much of it during the film itself. There was, what came in and out no. a few times, but it, it wasn't...
0: And it seemed to me that I remember reading or, or hearing that they were also using that music to betray the tension a little bit, to to almost uh, let people know that it was okay to laugh at certain things, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of the way that the music cues were structured. Like, they're, we're in on it. Everybody else is playing it like it's perfectly straight, but the music is probably the only thing that might be winking at us. And maybe that was a thing that kind of... Maybe stood out as not being great to me because everything else is they're really tr- trying to play it super straight. But I don't know that the music was, and I'm sure that was by design. But for me personally, it just didn't work as well.
1: As far as the um, humor in the in the in the movie and how intentional or unintentional it was, it was definitely a low budget movie. A lot of low budget movies can be humorous because they're not intending to be, right. but funny for the wrong reasons. Maybe certain aspects are poorly made. Maybe there's some poor acting. There's some silly uh, story or writing choices. Now, this movie was definitely low budget. Was there anything like that in this movie where where we were laughing at just something kind of being kind of bad, or because it was kind of low, low budget, or was or did it really not have a lot of that? No, I you know uh, now
0: that you mention it, I don't recall. Oh anything like that jumping out at me. I think maybe there were some bits like with the zombie, maybe the makeup wasn't. Yeah. You know, you could see that you could see the budget and the makeup, but I think that's, that wasn't something that I, that I would like point to and laugh on. like, haha, That was bad. You know, it was just be like, okay, well they did the best they could with the money that they had. So I actually think that with this movie, based on the, the budget, the cast, everything they had at their disposal, I, I do think they did the best they could with what they had, like pretty much all around. I don't feel like anything was, I think if there was any, if they sensed anything was a weak, weakness, okay, okay, maybe maybe the characterization, maybe, maybe these performances, maybe they're a little cheesy. Well, we're going to lean into that so that it seems more intentional and not inadvertent. Mm-hmm. And I and I so I, I don't feel like we have like a room scenario here where no. people are just sort of, you know, unaware of how bad things are. No, I think that if anything was lending itself to a weakness, they would just sort of amp it up. And I don't think there was anything that was just egregious that, you know, just like jumped out and said, hey, these people are making a bad movie. I just think they were making a cheap movie. Um, and, and which is definitely a good thing. At least that's the way I saw it. What was your yeah. r-
1: response? I pretty much agree. Yeah. The, 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 I think a sign of a good low-budget movie is one where you're not really laughing at anything because it's so bad. They're actually kind of managing to pull pull some things off. I was learning that they rehearsed for two weeks before shooting in somebody's apartment, I think, so they kind of sat around and, like in, and would go through it in sequence, kind of like a play. Mm-hmm. Stuart Gordon has a theater background right this was his first feature film mm-hmm. um and for years before that he worked in, in in theater and so they did that and then when they actually did the shooting i think they had about three weeks of shooting and it was a lot of very late nights and a lot of very um willing and game cast members i mean you know of course david gale as dr hill mm-hmm. sitting uncomfortably under the table with his head sticking out you know through the hole in the, in the table He, he playing it just for hours you know and uh, not complaining, and so I think that how sort of those when you film under those kind of circumstances, low budget and those kind of schedules, you have um, a camaraderie and a chemistry builds up amongst the cast, and you can feel that in the finished product when when that when the when a movie succeeds.
0: Yeah, yeah, you can definitely tell that everybody's on on the same page. You know, they're all making the same movie because sometimes you get it where it's like, okay, this person doesn't belong here, and I it was clear that that they I don't know if they just were good at casting their movie with, you know, relatively inexperienced actors or if they just set that tone in those rehearsals, you know, basically, Hey, here, this is a, and I think again, you, you have this sort of like gorilla mentality when you're making these like low budget movies and you've got like this small window and you all hunker down and you really kind of are in the trenches. You almost feel like you're like, maybe you're in a garage band and you're just trying to make some, you know, uh, Art, for lack of a better word. And if everybody is invested in it, then you get to the end of that line. and You feel like, okay, this this worked. This was successful. And whether or not it makes money or not, you know, you just know that everybody put everything into it that they could. And and if you're lucky, you have something that kind of stands that test of time. And then years and years later, people are still talking about it. And for good reasons, not bad ones.
1: I read something interesting that Stuart Gordon thought that he used, he used a lot of gallons of blood in the movie. Mm-hmm. A lot of gallons of fake blood. And he thought, I don't know if he said he thought he had the record, so to speak, or whatever, but it was a lot. But he thought he had like the most or whatever at, up to some point. And then he met Peter Jackson. And he asked Peter Jackson. And Peter Jackson told him how, how many gallons of blood he used in his film, um, Brain Dead, mm-hmm. otherwise known as Dead Alive. Mm-hmm. And it was a lot more gallons of blood in yes. that movie. Than um, in Reanimator, which I'm I'm glad that I, I kind of read about because I often forget about that movie because we could talk about that movie a little bit and we can watch it maybe one day that'd be a great episode but you you've seen it you, I remember I have a memory years and years and years and years, years ago you recommended we all get together and watch it and we watched it. But I think when we watched it, whatever VHS we obtained or whatever we, it was like a, I think it was an edited version. It was not as bloody as the true uncut version. Yeah, I think So, so. I've yet to see the actual original uh, brain data, I guess. Yeah, cause the original I, one. I don't really even remember, I'm sorry. I don't even, was that a comedy? Is that, uh, does that fit into this discussion? It, it, of it, it a does. Comparative it does, comedy?
0: it's okay. so the, the, I don't even remember. the violence I mean, there's a lawnmower scene, and the the violence in is so over the top that you have to laugh. It, it's it, it 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 wants you to laugh. It's inviting mm-hmm. it. But yeah, gosh, man, I haven't seen that one in the longest time. We should definitely check that one out again. But yeah, it that one's definitely fits in that
1: horror comedy realm. I also read, was reading stuff or hearing something interesting that so the movie was released without a rating.
0: Oh um, yeah. Which is almost like a, you know, a death sentence
1: for a lot of movies because right.
0: theaters don't want to play it.
1: And Stuart Gordon said something interesting in this one interview where I read. He felt like I don't know how he put it, but he felt like it didn't really apply in this case. The movie was a, uh, successful. Mm-hmm. They had a good release and it was successful, and and a couple of prominent critics at the time praised it very highly. When I look back on it, I I can't see that movie being
0: rated anything worse than an R. Honestly, it nothing. Mm. I mean, maybe if it came out today. Yeah, yeah. If it came out, I mean, they might want to cut a little bit of that. Some of that
1: full frontal nudity.
0: Yeah. But I it think. wasn't, I mean, it just was like, snippet. it was from a, you right. know, a angle behind. You just saw still. a little bit of fuzziness. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, trust yeah, me. That
1: wouldn't, That's still rates an R, I mean,
0: you look, you you look, yeah, it, definitely Plus an it's R. Man.
1: There was, there was all kinds of discussion in the commentaries and documentaries about how you can't show penis. Oh, no, you can't. You can't. But everybody's walking
0: around. I'm thinking you know? of the movie um, Walk Hard, the okay. the Dewey something uh, story, Cox, Dewey Cox yeah. story. Right, right, right. There's a scene where Dewey Cox just sitting there, and there's just a fully exposed penis in the shot, like right next to him. The movie was R rated, so it's like it just depends on the context, yeah. you know. There's things you can do, but I, I don't. I honestly, I, I I would have a hard time. Buying the justri- justification of yeah. this movie being rated anything worse than an R,
1: I just in 2022, I, it would be weird. No, yeah. it would be an R, no problem. Yeah, for the most part. But in '85, they were, they might have been a little bit like this was the first time know, a lot of I, this was coming out into back the Back in the mid '80s, though, there
0: was a, just so much yeah. nudity in movies. There was a lot. I remember.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. We, it was a, there. It was a great time. Um, absolutely.
0: So when all is said and done and, you know, someone comes to you and says, Hey, Phil, that movie Reanimator, if
1: you were to award it a rating of some sort, what rating would you award it? So we're talking about our um, one to 10 point scale.
0: Is that what um, it is? Because so I was honestly trying to remember the other day.
1: Well, you can do it. On, you could do it a one to ten point scale, or you can cut the numbers in half and call it a five star scale. Right. Pick your poison. It's the mm-hmm. same. Um, I find it easier to think of them in terms of one to ten uh, when I talk about it. So I'll tell you what. The first time I saw Reanimator a few years ago, I gave it an eight. Oh no, kidding! Wow. Uh, so the first impression was kind of a wow. I can't believe what I'm seeing all this crazy stuff. It's funny, and la-da-da-da-da. Uh, the second time I watched it, which was a few weeks ago in our, in our group here uh, leading up to Halloween, some of that, I still feel the movie's pretty much just as good, but some of that initial first impression, some of that wow shock, wow value of th- these crazy scenes that I was seeing uh, kind of wore off a little bit. hmm with some movies, they wear off a lot, and they don't have a lot of rewatchable value. I don't think this is the case with ReAnimator. I think I can watch this over and over again. But I do think some of that initial value. I walked away from that second viewing, thinking of it as more of a seven, which is still good. Which is still good. Yeah, that's three and a half out of five stars. That's yeah, seven that's out of 10. very that's good. A good movie. Six is, you know, for me, a six is like, yeah, you're good. You're a little better than than the five. Five is like. Is that, really that, not that's how that, that works that's how i think that works. i think a six level of seven oh, no. is even better than a six five to it's me the, is it's like the nuance for five me is kind of bad but it's still got it's still half good there's some good there's good things in it it's average it's okay it's right in the middle. six to me you're you're a solid level above that you're like you're that's that's when the adjective decent kind of starts to come in a little bit more okay we're pretty good Okay. I wouldn't say very good. Seven, you're getting into, you're a solid, good movie. Okay. That might be where Reanimator says. As we talk about it so positively today, and I'm feeling the good vibes going, I almost want to give it an eight again. So it's on the borderline, maybe. Gotcha. But I think I want to stick with a seven. Okay. Very good. Very good. Do you have any thoughts
0: on the matter? A five. Okay. Two and a half stars out of five, or five out of ten. I think it's. Because for me, that's, you know, that's middle of the road. That's middle. And there are things that I liked in the movie. But then there's things that it's like, while I respect them and I can appreciate them for what they did. Is this movie I'm going to want to watch a lot? Probably not. Mm -hmm. Um, Does that necessarily make the difference between a good and a bad movie? Not at all. Not at all. It was enjoyable in the moment. But did I think it was, it was probably slightly better than average so, I mean, I could I could feel an argument for a six okay. or maybe even a three. But if you've just – so somewhere around there. I, I don't either. think it was bad at all. I wouldn't – I think it's definitely above a two, obviously. But um, so, that, yeah, that's pretty much where I'd put it. I think, you know, okay. two and a half to three or five and six area. Okay. I think it's silly that I'm using both of the ratings. When, might be confusing the
1: audience, but I'm following you just –
0: Well, that's that's in good, yes. Very confusing. It's yeah. I should just pick one. Um,
1: But that's a good segue, maybe into some a a couple of other because now that I hear that number from you, it makes mm -hmm. me curious to know how what you thought of some of the other. There's two other movies that you and I happened to watch together in a group, Mm -hmm. and they were horror movies or horror comedies, at least in one case. Um, Yeah, both of which were not as good as Reanimator. Correct, and I can give you, <laughs> I can give you my feelings and my ratings on those, and, please, and, uh, and, and we can talk about. Them. Yeah, because
0: we watched Reanimator, and that was the only one we watched that night, if I am not mistaken. I think you are right. Okay, and then a, a couple weeks later, we all got together and we watched. We decided we were going to watch a couple more Halloween movies, or not Halloween specifically, but horror movies in you know the lead up to, to Halloween. And we weren't sure which ones to watch, and one of us sent out a a list. Um, and, then I, I I'm, I'm like, oh, I would watch any of these. And somebody's like, oh, I do watch any. And we had sort of like settled on these two, um, might've been my fault. Uh, I'll take responsibility. it
1: sticks in, the, they ended up sticking in the, in the realm of the eighties. horror movies, movie. So it's good, uh, for this episode.
0: Right. Keeping that going. One of them I had seen before. One of them I had not seen before. Same here. Uh, the movies were, one was called, I believe it was called dead and buried. Yes. Uh, from the early 80s. Was that like 81? Something 80, like that. 81, somewhere around there. Um, and then the other one was Creep Show. George like, Romero. Four, I want to say 82? 82, 82, 82, 82, 82, I think. 82, 82. Yeah. 82. Okay. 82. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, written by Stephen King and yep. directed by George Romero. That one is one of those where, you know, if you haven't seen it, it's vignettes. There's like four or five little stories that they're mm-hmm. telling. They're all supposed to be like different little horror stories with varying levels of effectiveness. I
1: thought. Yes. So that's definitely something that was intended to be a comedy mm-hmm. or comedy. Yeah. Each one of those was supposed to be funny um, or humorous to some degree or another. I think I, some of them, I'm not sure how funny they were. So that's the thing. So it, the movie did not really succeed on the level yeah. it was not scary enough and, and it was not funny enough. So, Mm-mm. like, it didn't... Either direction didn't work. No. And it, I think there's a good example of maybe... So, I can't point to a specific instances in the film itself, but I feel... Is, let me ask you, was it a good example of maybe a movie that was trying to be a little funny and a little scary at the same time? So it ended up just kind of falling flat?
0: <laughs> you know... I don't know. Maybe... I thought I had a really good cast. I thought that the people that were in it are good actors, and they did what they could with what they were given. But I don't know that any of the stories were that were that intriguing. I mean, they weren't
1: that engrossing. I mean, I think they were aimed at a. I don't know that it was really. A, well, I don't. I don't know what creep show was rated as far as the MPAA was concerned. R. It was. Yeah, but the move, but the film feels like it's aimed at a younger audience. It doesn't feel like it's really aimed towards an adult. Well, based on a comic book. Sensibility. Well, it's, yeah.
0: it's based on a comic book. And I don't know if any of those actual stories were from the comics and that they were adapted. I'm not sure. I didn't look into that. But um, or if Stephen King just wrote them for it. But it kind of had that. It was kind of trying to be. Campy, I think it was trying to be campy, and I think,
1: yeah, that's how you don't want to.
0: I think that that's where you, you stumble, you know. I think you, you, you
1: know, now, Reanimator has been described as kind of campy, but I
0: don't know that they were trying,
1: no, they weren't trying to be right. So I think you stumble into campy. camp, yeah,
0: and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I think if you try too hard, if that's your goal to say, hey, we're gonna make a campy comedy, more often than not, you're gonna fail. Lightning has to strike a certain way in order for that to really work. Uh, and I don't think that was the case with these with these movies. And I, I and maybe it's maybe it's because of, you know, the pedigree of the people that were involved. I mean, I don't know that neither one of them was particularly known for high camp. Right. You know, and and so that's what they were trying to do. And I don't th- I just I don't think it worked. Um, the production values were fine. You know, the, sure. that was all fine. Clearly, they spent a little money and it was interesting seeing a very young Ed Harris have a role in one of the little vignettes, but nothing was really, nothing was very, nothing was scary. I didn't think.
1: Right. I don't remember. I mean, it was, I mean, the insects and cockroaches in the one, it was kind of creepy, but creepy,
0: the squeamish, you know, the little, you know, zombie sea people were kind of creeping me out when I was a kid. Yeah. But then in the same scene, I mean, I'm looking at Ted Danson and Leslie Nielsen, both known for comedy in this scene that I'm supposed to be taking seriously and be afraid. It was so that kind of took me out of it. Now yeah. I think we had a, we had a discussion at the time and one of our, one of our friends was like, he just couldn't take That's Leslie it. Nielsen seriously. I, I had less of a problem with that because the dude's voice, he's got such gravity in his voice. And I thought he he could definitely play a villain, a good villain, but most of us don't see him like that because for 30 years after that he was playing comedies pretty much straight comedies
1: so creep show is a movie that i rated okay so this is a generous maybe a generous 5 out of 10 ooh but that's generous that is generous i think i remember when i gave it that rating it was a, there was a debate between a 4 and a 5 the so 4 puts it solidly like under like and it probably should be as i as we talk and i think about it today it probably should be four out of 10. Okay. I'll give it some credit for maybe some sentimental value for seeing when I was a kid, which I should not have any effect on how I rate the movie, but whatever. I don't know.
0: I might give it a four. I I always lean in three initially, but when I think about, there are some aspects of a couple of the vignettes that I do appreciate more than others and probably comes down to performance more than anything. So I I probably edge it up into four territory for me, but yeah, it's not a great movie. And nostalgia told me that it was better when I hadn't seen it since the 80s, you know? Yeah. But then going back and seeing it, I'm like, mm, this wasn't as good as I thought it was. Yet at the same time, I remembered everything pretty much exactly as, as it was. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that, that's just a weird thing of how the mind works. It's like, yeah, okay, I remember all this exactly uh, that way, yeah. but... For some reason, yeah, I thought it was a lot better with my unformed male
1: <laughs> child yeah. brain back then. It's funny. I thought I had seen the movie before when I was a kid, but when I watched it the other day, there was only, there was only one vignette that I remembered. All the other ones, I have no memory of ever seeing before. Okay. <laughs> so it's like, okay.
0: And which one was that, the out of curiosity? one
1: where Stephen King plays the- Oh,
0: the Moss Man? Yeah. That was the worst one for me. Yeah, probably. That one was just yeah. terrible. I, it wasn't- <laughs>
1: It was I don't I didn't get it. It was very yeah. It was very one idea and very
0: I did not get that one at all. idea.
1: So the other film we watched was called Dead and Buried. Yeah, from about 1981, uh, and that film is about a, a sheriff in a small town, and uh, I think he's kind of new to that town. And he, well, spoilers. I mean, the whole thing is
0: sort spoilers. of new. I, that, it was unclear to yeah. me. Because it seems like he's new, but then in order for the ending to make sense, he had to have been there for a while. Yeah. Considering his wife was like the first, without spoiling anything.
1: Yeah. So we have a similar, well, anyway, the film, you know, there's mysterious things going on in this town and the townspeople are up to something shady. And if you're a visitor to this town, you better watch out Mm because bad things are going to happen to you. So the film was not really trying to be a comedy. I don't think. No. And it was nothing pretty intentionally was funny, in straight-faced sort of horror film, and it wasn't super scary. So it was kind of going more for the atmospheric, yeah, a little bit kind of the thing. The moody horror, and it didn't really work that
0: well for me. I thought it had a great. Premise. I really I was intrigued by the premise. It's another it's another one that kind of fits in the reanimator camp in terms of basically people being brought back to life. Yeah. People being dead and then being brought back. And I, I thought the premise behind it was was interesting. The execution, not so much. I think they could have I I think it was a good first draft of an idea. And it could have gone through some more revisions to make it a little sharper and to make it make a little more sense. Mm -hmm. I I don't I I think they they went into it and there were there were some questions that could have been answered or at least played in a way to where I'm not going to ask the question if that makes any sense. Yeah. Again, I'm probably giving that one. Was, was
1: there a lot of gore in that one or a little bit? I there was really a remember. There was a little bit. them in that
0: much But can. it wasn't it wasn't a lot. Yeah. It was I think it was mostly it was the tension. There was like some slashing, you know, like somebody yeah. was killed when like these town folk would descend oh, on a right. strange person. There would be like a slash or something or maybe a throat would be slit. So it would be something like that, but it wasn't like Guts being pulled out or or, zombies eating people or anything like that. It was atmospheric. There were scenes of like the sheriff, like looking for somebody. And so he's like skulking around like a old empty barn or something like that. And so they're like a jump scare of like a cat running past, you know, things like that. Yeah. But in general, it was pretty tame, pretty mild. It was just, I think mostly supposed to be tense at the end. You know, there's supposed to be like this twist at the end which you Kind of figure it out. Before. You kind yeah. of do. You, you yeah. figure it out. It's not as shocking as it should be. But I think, again, it's because it was a good first draft. I think it could have been a lot better. I think that movie could be remade today and be like, you know, a hundred times more interesting.
1: So I actually was looking at my notes and I don't know what I was thinking because this was very generous of me. But I actually gave it a, that one a six. Really? As I, the more I think about it today and talk about it, I think it really should be more solidly a five.
0: Yeah, you are Which definitely is, right? more generous than like, I have been.
1: I'm, I think I'm like that generally with giving yeah. reviews to movies. Sometimes I try to dial it back. Yeah, you're um, like automatically
0: one point for participation.
1: Basically, okay. You know, so if there's some good, to, like I thought, like honestly, Dead and buried, I thought was okay. Yeah, but it didn't really like all mesh for me. Uh, do I want to say it's more bad than good? I don't know. So maybe a five is a good number for me to land on. Okay. Although a four, I could be talking to that. Because to me, when you get down to threes, two, that's Yeah, it's pretty bad. bad. I, that maybe wasn't horrible.
0: It's like, I want... It's like part of me <laughs> like, like says four, but then I'm yeah. like, I'm giving Creepshow four. Yeah. So it's like, maybe I want to give this one five just because I, I do think it was a little bit better. I think they were... They were actually trying something. It just—I just don't think it worked as well as it could have. That's all. So I don't know. Um, a four plus. <laughs> okay.
1: Well, are there any other horror movies you, uh, you've seen recently that you, you uh, think might fit into the conversation? Uh, fit in that, that conversation kind of, in terms of being like a horror comedy. But we don't have to talk
0: horror about it. comedy. No, I haven't. I haven't seen with- any other horror comedies recently. Um, I—you know—honestly, I'm not sure that I've seen. A lot of horror comedies. To be
1: perfectly honest with you. Well, like we were saying, uh, Evil Dead Two is probably the champion. Yeah. Uh, and really, we can save. We can. We need. To, I've been wanting to see all those again. We can save that for another episode. Yes, absolutely. In fact, I really wanted to. I did though. Really want to watch Evil Dead Two and Evil Dead One before we recorded this, mm-hmm. just so I can kind of say a few things about them. Right. In comparison with Reanimator, but. I didn't, for whatever reason. I didn't want to, they weren't on any free service I had. I just, it didn't happen. But I did find a film that was available on a free service that I could stream. And I decided to watch it. And it was one that came out in 2013 that kind of intrigued me. And I wanted to see it. And the name of this film that came out in 2013 is The Evil Dead. Oh, which is not a horror comedy. (laughs) No, it's, like, pretty much straightforward. They remake, yes, it's the remake of The Evil Dead. uh, Yeah. um, It's it's, closer to Evil Dead than Evil Dead 2. It's closer to Evil Dead 2 and even more serious. It's just a straightforward, trying to be serious, scary, straightforward, intense horror movie. And I did not like it. (laughs) I remember when the trailers first came out, I thought the trailers looked good and I was kind of excited intrigued by it and then the reviews started coming out and they were mixed yeah at best and uh, some people liked it. like that yeah but I think that I was and I did not probably I did, a I mistake think... it's it's
0: this whole notion that like uh like Jeremy and I would joke about taking a Weird out song one of his comedy songs and then making a serious parody out of it oh uh-huh. You know, it's that that sort of joke. It's like, why would you even do that? Just Mm -hmm. to do it. And that sort of feels like what maybe they did with that. They took this this thing that's known for being kind of irreverent, funny and still scary, but funny above all else. And and then making it serious. It's like, yeah, you just you took out the secret sauce and you just made another horror movie, you know, using the same setup. But without the secret sauce, you know, I'm gonna miss that secret sauce. So
1: yeah, I give it some credit. They did some. There was some gory moments where they did some, you know, really gory things to to bodies and you know different things like that. Like so, okay, well that's good, but it didn't string together. And the movie as a whole is depending good. Okay. There was a premise about so it's these. It's this group of teenagers that come together and go to this old cabin, and, mm-hmm. you know, and they open the book and the so forth. Um, and one of these, or maybe they're 20 somethings. And one of these people is, uh, is there to recover from substance abuse. You know, she's quitting cold turkey and she's there to recover from something. So she goes crazy and gets possessed. The, the other people are wondering, is she, uh, is she just freaking out cause she's in withdrawal or should we take her away and go, no, we should stay here. It's the best thing for her. And that premise is kind of interesting for five minutes. Mm-hmm. Well, it seems but to me as that a whole, the, the f- moral of the story <laughs> is stay on drugs. Right. <laughs> but, um, as a whole, I just wanted all those characters to die as soon as possible. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: funny. I was, I was looking through my time hop and a couple years ago, I, I got around to watching the new, um, it movies, uh, like the I first like one. And i was in, in in my review and what I had said about it is, um, Basically, I was saying that I was having a hard, I was having a hard time rooting for a bunch of kids that are constantly making the stupidest Awful. boneheaded choices at Awful. every turn. <laughs> I was a kid once. I wouldn't have made any of the Awful. choices they made. <laughs> and so I'm like, this is, I, 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 can't root for these people. They're stupid.
1: I hate it. Just I need them of
0: out of the gene pool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't great. So anyway, um, what are the other movies we got?
1: Well, if we're going to talk. I, was, I keep saying that phrase. Uh, low budget, 80s or 90s horror comedies. The name of Frank Hennenlatter should be discussed, who directed Frank and Hooker. Ah, oh, yes, Frank uh, and Hooker. Which I saw a few years ago, I which to... I loved. And I kind of compared mm-hmm. it a little bit to Reanimator in that, it kinda of blew me away at first. Time. I was like, wow, this is awesome. I wonder and I have yet to watch it a second time, so I wonder if if it's gonna come down a notch and I'm gonna be like, mm, that was, you know. Yeah.
0: yeah. I'll have to check it out again. I haven't
1: seen that one since probably yeah. since it first hit cable. But he's also known, I think, just as equally as for um for that movie as a movie called Basket Case. Basket Case I just watched. I believe I
0: watched ba- Basket <laughs> Case again a long time ago. I think I rented it when I worked
1: at Blockbuster. Well, I'm gonna say Basket Case is crazy, and uh, I highly recommend it. I what did I give that one? I gave that one a six.
0: Okay.
1: But it's a high six, so gotcha. Yeah. It's just... So Basket Case is about this young man. He he, he has a brother, and this brother he they were Siamese twins. And so he had this growth coming out of the side of his torso. And this growth has this creepy face, right? And it ends up getting, I guess the sort of, you find this relatively early on in the movie, you find out about this. And it gets, it end up getting um, separated from each other. So he has to carry around his brother in this basket. He ends up surviving this mm-hmm. other piece of him, you know, but they're, but they're really upset that they got separated because they're brothers and they're together and they're having a great t- whatever. Mm-hmm. And they're, you know, he didn't want his brother to die and be separated and thrown out in the trash or whatever. So he lives and he keeps him, and he's got to carry him around in this basket. And he's got to um, their idea for re- <laughs> revenge. They want to, <laughs> You're looking at me like, <laughs> I mean, this movie sounds awesome. So they want to get revenge on these doctors who performed this uh, separation. So they circuit. didn't want to be they, separated. No. So how did they consent to it? They didn't. They were knocked out. His aunt, his 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 aunt, who was careta- caretaking for him was away, and his evil father, who wanted them separated, hired these uh, shady doctors who would perform the Ah, operation, and they they drugged, I think they drugged this young man, these young men, and and then they performed the separation surgery, like, against their will. Gotcha. So now they want to get revenge and murder all those doctors that did that. Well, of course. And that's the premise of the movie, which, I mean, should make anybody want to see that. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. I'm going to watch it I it tonight. worked pretty well. I don't think it was as hilarious or as funny as I remember as my memory of Frankenhooker, but just the premise. That's pretty goofy. Well, another horror comedy I saw recently for the very first time in my life was Vampire's Kiss starring Nicolas Cage, which- <laughs> Is that a horror? I mean, he's, well, it's more of like maybe a psychological, like this, he's basically just going insane, right? Right. So maybe I leaned into the phrase horror comedy. I mean, it's got, a, he's a, van, he's, he's a vampire mm-hmm. is, you know, kind of the, the, right. the jumping off he's point there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and he's got a, kind of a wild, crazy, over the top Nicholas Cage performance that he becomes more and more known for as time goes on. Yeah. And it is funny mainly because of that performance and how he interacts with people and deals with his experience. And I thought it was pretty good. I
0: remember seeing it. I remember being amused by it um, back in the day. Um, You mentioned mentioned Vampire's Kiss, and that makes me think of an actual other horror comedy that just sprung to mind. I think it came out in 1986-ish, but it was um, not Vampire's Kiss, but it was Vamp. Oh. Starring Chris Makepeace um, and uh, featuring a... um, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer's sister, Dee Pfeiffer, and had uh, Getty Watanabe is also in it, as was uh, Grace Jones. She ah. was a, she was a vampire in that one. I remember I enjoyed that movie. Uh, I think it's, um, you know, it's 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 a vampire movie. So, I mean, it's these these college kids are going to get a hooker, not a hooker, maybe a stripper, maybe a stripper. You get Franken hooker on my mind. So these college kids are going to go get a stripper come back for like a um, like a frat thing. Well, they, they get turned around. They end up in this part of town where they're going to maybe get this hooker. And it turns out that this isn't your typical strip club. And that if you get caught down there pretty much after dark, good luck. Okay. Because like the main stripper and variety of other people are either vampires or any other manner of unshady type. Person, and so uh, you know, hijinks ensue. It's it, it's entertaining. just one I'd like to watch again. I'm gonna have yeah, to look for that good. one. I'd like
1: to see that. Yeah. I thought maybe you were gonna bring up Near Dark, but that's was not near funny. Near Dark, funny. I don't. I saw no. it a few years ago. I don't remember. It's being. very good, it's but very it's good. not funny. No, okay, it wasn't funny. But I don't know what vampires are doing
0: in the desert. <laughs> that's the thing. The only the only vampire movie that's actually made any sense to me is
1: um. Oh, shoot. What the heck is it called? Um, so, vampire movies generally don't make sense to you?
0: Typically, they don't. Um, but the, the one that makes sense to me is the one uh, I can't remember what it's called. Um,
1: it's got that one guy. That
0: one guy is in it. From, and he you know, was in that other thing. Right. <laughs> uh, no, it takes place in Alaska. That much I remember of it. It takes place in Alaska, and basically, their land of the midnight sun. So it's like okay. they spend vast period, long periods of their time in Alaska in the winter, where the sun doesn't come up very much, because that makes just sense. makes sense to me. Because some of the other ones, there? why wouldn't you go there? Why wouldn't mm-hmm. you travel? Like I recently watched the movie called Let Me In, which is an American remake of Let the Right One In. Yeah. It took place in New Mexico.
1: Why? <laughs> Why would oh, you as a vampire want they, they, they to be in New Mexico? So I think the original takes place in is it Stockholm. or is it Sweden Sweden Sweden. Or Norway? Yeah. Sweden. Sweden. Which makes more sense. Yeah, <laughs> it definitely
0: makes more sense. But so when they made the American one, they made it take place in New Mexico, which I thought was strange. Also yeah. it was strange because I don't think of New Mexico as being snowy, but I'm you know, there's mountains, so yeah, I'm sure it is. And there was like snow. And so I'm like, New Mexico, really? But anyway, but still, again, I'm like, if you were hiding somebody or constantly traveling with somebody that you knew was a vampire, would you go to New Mexico? I don't know. I wouldn't. Very I wouldn't. I'd, I'd be living in Canada.
1: So if you remember the name of this Alaska vampire movie? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to
0: find well, it. Well, the first thing that comes up as 30 is 30 Days of Night.
1: That's it. Oh, 30 Days of Night.
0: Yeah, with Josh Hartnett. That's the one. Is that?
1: a per larger fran- what franchise of films or is that just a standalone what is that uh, I thought it was a standalone maybe they okay. made a sequel to it I think I know so little about it that when I've seen that title in the past I just assumed it was part of that 28 days later 28 days no. later uh, those are zombies those
0: are and they're not even real zombies
1: no okay well we've had a great talk and is there anything else we'd like to say about horror movies of the 80s or horror comedies in general or anything else we might have seen recently. I did mention or anything that, we forgot to say about. Well, um, I did mention reading. earlier, as far as I wanted to see other Stuart Gordon movies, but I never, I couldn't either find them or I couldn't find them for free. Yeah, I, I
0: want to see From Beyond. I know I've seen
1: From Beyond. There's one called Stuck. I think was his last film.
0: Okay. Um,
1: that sounded like I think it had an I'm interesting. Not sure.
0: Class. Aside from From Beyond, I don't know if I've seen another Stuart Gordon movie. Oh, I did. I saw the movie Robot Jocks. I did ah. see that. That was uh, that was a good one. <laughs> I may have actually seen the movie Fortress as well.
1: I remember. I think I just remember that because that came out around the time I was working at Blockbuster Video, and it was probably one of the films that was had a road to itself on the shelf. there.
0: I saw Space Truckers. Man, I've seen a lot of his movies. Oh, there you go.
1: Space Truckers.
0: That's a that's a weird movie. You and should that check that, that one out. That's worth okay. Yeah, well, recommending it. Well, I'm I'm recommending it just for the experience of seeing it. It's Stephen Dorff and Dennis Hopper.
1: Well, if we, there you go. Well, if, um, we, if, if if I like Reanimator and Basket Case and Frankenhooker, I might like Space. What's it called?
0: It's space Truckers. Yeah. But what's what's interesting to me about that movie, Space Truckers, is when I saw it, I was like, Dennis Hopper had had a career resurgence, you know? It's like he had, like, come back into the mainstream, and then all of a sudden he was in this movie called Space Truckers. Was this movie made for, like, never to be seen in the United States? Like, you know, (laughs) one of those where they just sort of make it for Europe, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Uh, Because it was, yeah, it's interesting. That's interesting. Check it out. uh, I will check it out. I'm excited about it. But I did want to mention, make, I think I mentioned it earlier, but as far as horror comedies go, like I said about the, like the well-established franchises just kind of went into horror comedy. Nightmare on Elm Street, they basically became horror comedies. Friday the 13th, they basically became horror comedies. They were became way more silly than they were at the beginning of their life in the franchises. So I think it's like you just you run out of stuff i don't think you can sustain
1: right that when, and so you just become you hey, a hey you're just gonna you're lean going, on
0: yeah. yeah be as goofy as you can i mean I once so. jason went to space i mean come on
1: yeah I have a, that's another franchise i've i got to the i've got to the first three movies so far oh uh, and all f- uh, three of them huh and uh, started the fourth. I don't think I finished the fourth yet.
0: Yeah, you're so probably I right. Keep going. I would. No, like I to would see. prioritize other films ahead of them.
1: Well, sure. This is probably why I'm. Yeah, gun. I think you've done that.
0: You've done that.
1: <laughs> um, okay. Well, we typically have a tradition at the end of these shows where we go through our list and talk about the movies that you and I went to the theater together to see because we have a list from the first time we ever went to the movies to see it to see a. To the theater to see a movie <laughs> well said <laughs> which was Misery and then we've done four more episodes after that yes. and after the end of each one I think we t- we talked about I think we tried um, to I think we tried to yeah. but for this episode episode six we don't have anything for you sorry audience yeah because we forgot I can't find my list, list. <laughs> So it's been a year <laughs> what we'll do after our next episode is uh, we'll make up for it and we'll run down the whole whole thing through, the, I mean, you know, the first seven. Right. <laughs> that yes. whole I hope our viewers uh, will check out some Listeners. of these movies if they haven't seen it yet. And if they're, view- well, they're viewers in the sense that they're probably looking at something <laughs> while-, <laughs> while they're listening. <laughs> they're driving. They're- yes. Very good. are they viewers? Because they do move yep. They're listening mm-hmm. to this podcast and then they go become viewers when they view <laughs> the movies. They covered it expertly. <laughs> Beautiful.
0: Thank you, viewers. <laughs> <laughs>
1: For, and with that, uh, we'll, we'll, see to mm-hmm. we'll see you next time. We'll see you next time.
0: Yes. Thank you again for, for <laughs> watching or <laughs> crap. Now I'm doing it. <laughs> for listening to the and fake action podcast with Phil and Dustin. I've been Dustin. And this is Phil. Bye bye.
1: And fake action.
0: <laughs> Press the button, Phil. If you'd like to learn more about our podcast or this episode's movie, consider following us on social media for links, pics, and other fun stuff. All of our ats are in the description for this episode. And as always, thanks for listening. Now go watch some movies.